Um, what we're going to be doing this evening is uh, in a few moments time I'm going to invite our street teams to come up on the platform and they're going to share some of the things that God has been doing them doing with them on the streets only Kensington Temple would start a street team in the month of freezing cold February do you know what I mean and you should start it in July or June but the thing is souls won't wait will they and so one of the regular things that we will be having at this service is we'll be hearing from those that are going on the street teams and as Christian says you're more than welcome to join us on the streets and if you've never been out in the street witnessing we won't be leaving you alone we'll put you alongside someone who's experienced and you can be as involved or spectate as much as you want until you find your feet so uh, we're very experienced at these things they're going to come in a few moments and then I'm going to preach the word and then one of the features of the revival ministry meetings that we have on Sunday evenings is we want to hear from the Lord. So the ministry team have been praying as they do now each week for words from the Holy Spirit, personal words to touch people's lives that are here tonight. So the evangelism and the ministry of the Spirit and the healing and the gifts of the Spirit, these are all things that we want to be building into these Sunday evenings, also with a strong altar call as well. So that anybody that comes from the streets that were invited in the evening or if you bring anybody as a guest to these Sunday evenings, they'll have an opportunity to hear the gospel. So that's where we're going tonight. So I'd like to invite Christian and all the all those that are involved in our street witness teams to come up, even if you weren't out today. Even if you're out last week but not out today, just come and join us on the platform because we want we want to, to see you. Don't be shy. It is always amazing how I find that evangelists, street evangelists, can be very bold on the streets, but often when you get them on the platform, they're so shy. It's a strange thing that. So oh here they come, let's welcome them. And uh, Christian, let's just let's just come a bit forward. Don't be shy, evangelists. Uh, Christian, just take take us through some some testimonies. Okay, fantastic. Thank you, Bruce. Well, this is a team that was out. A few of them have retired. They've been here the whole day. But this is the people that have come back and returned. Francois had a testimony the week that I heard. I was just speaking to Brett before the service about who and Anik who got saved. And so let's welcome Francois right now. Let us know what happened in the middle of Labra Grove. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You see, uh, this is awesome what's just happened. A lady was on her way. She's in a rehab and she, f and, and she found herself in a very dark place. She needed a fix. She needed a heroin. But what did she get? She got herself some Jesus. You see, what, what happened, I was, stand was standing, standing at a post and praying. I said, Lord, send me somebody. I'm not leaving the spot. Send me somebody. And I was there with Brother Nick and, and we were praying together. And as I turned, this lady was, was coming. I said to her, God loves you. No, he doesn't. I said, but yes, he does. Let me just tell you how much he loves you. He loves you so much that he sent his only son, Jesus, to come and die for you. So that you can be delivered. So that you can be free. So that you can walk away from your sin. He loves you. He's resurrected. Jesus is not in a tomb. He died. He was buried and he's raised again. Come on, hallelujah. You might find yourself you might find yourself in that spot where you don't know what's going on. Where is this God that we talk about? He's here right now. He's knocking on your heart. 
as he knocked on that lady's heart. She was on her way to get heroin. And she said yes to Jesus. She said yes to Jesus. She is spirit filled. Hallelujah. Come on. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. Give Jesus a chance. Do not wait for tomorrow. The time is now. The time is now. Hallelujah. Well, thank you, Francois. Just to say, Francois has only been saved, I think, was it four years or something? Three years or something? Two and a half years. And he's up here tonight excited about Jesus. And so that's a testimony in itself. But Christian, from, uh, also from Brett's team tonight, last week I was speaking to you before the service. You told me you led a guy to Christ. And also this week you met some member of his family. Tell us about what happened. Um, praise the Lord. Um, last week before we left, um, I was just praying to God and saying, God, I just need one soul. Just give me one soul. And we went out. I was with um, Brett, who just gave a testimony. And uh, we're, we're walking um, along the road, and um, we walked past a guy who, was, who seemed to me like a beggar, and um, he, he was absolutely drunk. And something witnessed in my heart to, to go to him, and um, I walked down to him and greeted him, and we started sharing the gospel to, um, with him, um, where he was with me. And um, I think about 10 minutes into sharing the gospel with him, um, the son walked up to us, and um, I turned my attention to the son while he continued with the dad. And as I was sharing with the son, and he started telling me a lot of stuff, some stuff he's gone through. He said his dad is from a Muslim family, the mom is um, from Catholic background, and uh, he's gone so much in his life, he was so confused, and he didn't want anything to do with religion, and um, he really didn't believe if um, God was real or not. But to cut a long story short, after sharing the gospel with him, he was convicted, and he actually said he wanted to give his life to Christ, and he gave his life to Christ. And after that, he actually said he needed a prayer request. He, he had a prayer request, and he said, I should pray for his father. He wanted his father to also give his life to Christ. And I should also pray for the mom, pray for his family. He wants all his family to come to Christ. And he also said he had an exam he was preparing for, and he wanted it. So today we went out, and um, I met the dad. And I was like, oh, how are you? How is everything? How is your son? He said, the son is fine. His son is doing well. I was like, oh, thank God you're not drunk today. And, <laughs> and he said, yeah, he's not drunk. I said, okay, will you come with me to church? And he said, okay, no, 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 not today. But I promise you, I will come into church with my son on the, um, next week. So I will try and follow up to get into church. Yeah. Thanks. Wow, that's a fantastic story. So last week you witnessed to the son, this week you witnessed to the dad, and hopefully next week we'll see them in church where they'll give their lives to the Lord and make a confession of faith. Any more? Any more testimonies? I know that there was a French lady who was coming forward. There was, I think there was three people, Joshua told me, who were saved in South Kensington. So tell us just one story about what happened. Um, we met this Italian guy who was basically drinking and I asked him if he wanted to do the prayer so he just did the prayer and received the Lord Jesus Christ and after that I just looked at the bottle and I was like okay this is not good and just throw it away so that was really great. So you, you witnessed an Italian man who was drunk on the, on the street? Yeah and uh, after I did the prayer... He wasn't drunk or was he, he was drunk? 
Oh, he wasn't drinking. He was just drinking a beer, chilling out, as, as Italians do. And then, <laughs> right, and you witnessed to him. And tell us, what was his response? No, I mean, he was just li listening to, um, to me, and I asked him if he wanted to receive the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, yeah, why not? And then, <laughs> after I did the prayer, and I don't know, funny enough, he just looked at the bottle and was like, okay, this is not good, and he went to throw it away, so. Wow, so he just looked at his beer or whatever he's drinking and said, forget this. Is there any of the testimonies that were down in South Kensington? Uh, yes, but... Okay, quickly, yep, yeah. come forward, don't be shy. Yeah, tell us another testimony about what happened in South Kensington. You know why? Because we prayed on a Wednesday night for Joshua, who leads one of the Peer of One evangelists, and he's sending a team out of South Kensington. So this has happened by a prophecy that we've received. And so tonight, three people have received Christ. So tell us about the second testament. Um, we met um, a woman who was going, she was on her way to work. And uh, when, as I started talking to her, she said, no, she doesn't have time. She has to be, she's already late. And uh, But she, I, I talked to her about God, about Sorry, about... <laughs> you have to speak into the microphone for people to hear you. I know, it's too close, sorry. And, uh, well, she was, she was very interesting. And, um, but when I uh, started talking to her about, about giving her life to Christ, she cut me short and she said, no, I have to go, I have to go. And, um, but I told her, uh, when I'm talking to you, I, I hear the word tough, tough. And she's, she stopped, you know, looking around. And I said, is there something... Um, a, a situation you're going in your life, but you, it's very hard, you know. So, so this woman, she's on her way, as many people are when you're trying to witness to them about Jesus, and she said, I've got to go, I've got to go somewhere, and then you receive a word from God where you got this word, tough, 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 she's going through a tough situation, you didn't know what that meant, but you shared with her, and she just stopped right there, tell us. She stopped, she, she looked straight in my eyes, and she said, yes, uh, her daughter is going, she has a polymer spine, and uh, she can't even talk, and and uh, I say, okay, well, I, I believe that God can, can heal your daughter. And uh, do you want us to pray? And, uh, and I talk, I, we pray together. And uh, I say, God, I believe that you will heal uh, her daughter. You will give her a testimony that she will come and, uh, and share it with us. And uh, then when, when I, I stopped praying, and I, you know, I was thinking she was, she was rushed because she was uh, away to work, she said, oh, can I have your number? She asked my number for my number. And uh, I took hers and I said, and she even, she started asking me about, um, is it on Sunday, where is the church, where everything. And now we have an appointment by next week. And uh, we should, and, you know, she's, she showed her interest. And uh, she's, she's going to, yeah, she makes sure she's coming because she really felt like I was, even when I was, she was hugging me when she, she was going. And uh, so she didn't give her life to Jesus, but she said she's going to meet you next week. No, she, she didn't. she's coming for sure, because when I talked to her about her daughter, about God telling me that something, she's going through a tough situation, that's when she, she was very interesting, and, and after she, she started saying, yes, I want, I want to, to go to a born-again church, I want to, she showed her interest. And so after you gave her the word of knowledge about her going through a tough situation, she explained about her daughter who's not well, she said she's going to come definitely next week. Yeah details she asked for my name she she said where i'm going if i if i'm there and i uh, make sure she just because she she had to go to work but she really showed an interest well that's amazing just one word from god can turn around someone to christ from being distracted so thank god for that tonight amen now i just want to ask just before i want to ask don't worry they're so shy they're not like this on the streets but you know this shows you if you think oh i i'm too shy to go out in the streets 
Look at all these shy people. Well, except these two over here. But um, just tell everyone your name. My name's Rachel. Rachel, why do you go out on the streets to witness? Because there's an eternity. And if we don't speak to people about heaven and hell, or mostly heaven, then they're lost. If we don't go, who will go and tell them? Some people would think, oh, I couldn't go out there because I'd be scared or I'd be fearful. I mean, do you go out there without fear or, or do you have to face, you know? Oh, well, we pray beforehand and we've had training if we've been in the teams for a while. And also you partner with somebody else. So if you're not experienced or you're not confident, you partner with somebody else and you learn with them and from them as well. Excellent. How about somebody else here? You go out in the streets and there must be that time when you face your fear and you think, oh, I'm not sure I want to go out in the streets or here we go again, who will I meet? Come and tell us about how you face those fears and how you overcome them. Who's going to tell us and encourage? Yeah, come. Come forward. And, and your name is? Nicole. Nicole. So when you go out in the streets, sometimes you're a little bit con... Yes, um, about rejection sometimes, um, and you have to ask for boldness from God, and you, you fear, but... So how do you overcome rejection when you're out there and somebody doesn't want to know? How do you deal with it? I pray first before speaking to somebody, and uh, then the Lord will give me a word of um, encouragement and boldness. So I... And do you find that the more you witness, you get into a flow of witnessing and... Yes, it doesn't stop doesn't stop. Anyone else going to talk about how you go on the streets and how you face your fears? Because, you know, one of the things I'm going to come to in a moment in the preaching is there's a survey out on Christians and witnessing. And one of the major problems is that Christians are scared to share the gospel. And one of the best ways of overcoming your fear is to go out with some of these guys who will be with you on the streets and you can face it, overcome it, and it can also help in your workplace. So I just want you to talk a little bit about how you deal with these things. What's your name? Amandine. Okay. Um, I think the first time I went to evangelize was with a friend of mine. When three of us, we went to Oxford Circus and uh, she had a post and she talked about Isaiah 54. I mean, no, no. Anyway, she had a post, so we like went to Bond Street and Oxford Circus, like preaching the word and giving tracks. And the first time before I went, I mean before I went, really, I was scared because I never done it before. So I was like, oh, well, Bond Street, well, everyone is busy, no one cares, and they will look at you like in a weird way. But actually, I stepped in. I said, you know what? I have nothing to lose. I went. My friend and I, we went. We stand there. We gave tracks. And people, some people were curious. They were looking at the tracks. And some of them, they were shy to come and talk to us. But once you do it once, I think that you're Tell us, what's it like to win a soul? Well, uh... I mean, how does it feel? Not how you do it. What's it like <laughs> to, to, when you bring someone to the Lord and they, they're ready and they're open? What's it like? I think you, you just, I don't know, you just feel, you're happy because, you, you know, you did it for God. I mean, wow, you said, oh, yes, someone is for God and a new soul, someone, I don't know, you have, I guess you have to have a heart of fire to say, okay, I need to bring more souls to the Lord. And, you know, you step in, you share the words, and then Holy Spirit does the right way. Someone else, what's it like? When you bring someone to the Lord, what's it feel like? Come, you, you come and share. Come, come and tell us. 
Because this is what it's about, isn't it? No, basically to me, it's just the joy. I don't know, every time I preach the gospel, there's, even when I'm sad and I don't want to do it, but there's just that joy that fills me. And when you see someone like saying, yes, Lord, I want to, to give my life to you, I don't know. It's something, it's something that every Christian has to, has to experience in his life. It's something. Someone else? Oh, yeah, you're really encouraging. Uh, yeah? Tell us, what's it like when someone gives their life to us? Um, like you said, um, there's a joy you feel that you don't get except you do it. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll just give a short testimony, like she was saying. Um, when I came to London, um, I've always had this impression that, oh, you don't have to, you cannot preach the gospel because, oh, you cannot say anything about religion. But I've always had this body in my mind, in my, in my heart. And there was a day I was going out and I was just like, oh God, I just need, just direct me to somebody to talk to. And um, I got to the platform and I heard the voice of the Spirit say, enter the thought coach from the front. I was like, okay, I will be. And the train came, I waited, I counted one, two, three. I got into the thought coach. And I was there, I was like, God, who do you have for me here to talk to? And I was waiting, nobody came. Then there was, there was an old man there. I was like, God, is he the person you want me to talk to? No, no response, no answer. So I waited. And it got to a, sta um, to a station, and everybody came out. I was the only person in the coach. I was like, oh God, you said the third coach. I'm the only person in the coach. So I got to the next station, a young guy came in. Even he sat down, I just had the witness of the spirit, says, the, the, that's the person. So he had this... Um, earphone on and immediately he took out earphone the spirit says this is your moment so i just walked up to him and cut the long story short i spoke to him and right there in the train he said he wanted to give his life and i held hands with him i prayed with him and ever since i've been encouraging him and i've been sending text messages to him and just a couple of days back i got a text from him saying thank you so much for introducing jesus to me and um, he's been a very lovely walk, and um, he will want me to send some more materials and some more information on how to grow, and I'll be doing that. And I just say, there's a joy. It's something you just have to do. It's like I said, every time you go out to preach, you go out with a certain kind of fear with you. But when you go out, I say, God, even in my weakness, show your strength. Just help me. And once you start, you, it's like the fear just vanishes and you just get into the flow and you do it. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you very much. And you can speak to him. And it's not just about going out on the streets, by the way, but we're sharing these testimonies to encourage you because you're only one step away from sharing your faith with a family, family member or a neighbor. And uh, we're not saying you all have to go out on the streets. You hear, what, you hear what I'm saying? But it's great to hear that people have confidence in the gospel, isn't it? And, um, and if God is doing it on the streets, then he's certainly going to be doing it with the people that we've been befriending. 
I mean, if God can win somebody that you've never met before in your life, how about the people that you've been caring for, watching over, praying for? God is ready. And we're going to be helping you in this coming year. Our senior minister, Colin Dye, and Christian and myself just recently have been looking at different ways to train and to help people share their faith wherever they are, not just on the streets, but wherever they are. And so you're going to be seeing some uh, great helps for you so that you can be the witness that God has called you to be wherever you are, whoever you are, and whatever you're doing. Amen? Well, if you have your Bibles with you, please turn to Romans um, chapter 1 and verse 15. Romans chapter 1 and verse 15. I want to speak today on confidence in the gospel. Confidence in the gospel. And uh, this really came into my mind because... um, The Evangelical Alliance, which is a wonderful, wonderful organization in Great Britain that stands up for Christian values. We're part of the Evangelical Alliance, or EA, as a church. Our our movement, Elam Pentecostal uh, Churches, is part of the EA. In fact, our general superintendent is on the board of the Evangelical Alliance. And they've been doing wonderful things. They've been standing up for um, such things as traditional marriage. In fact, if you look in your Revival Times, um, there's a section on why we believe in traditional marriage and why traditional marriage should be left alone and there's all these reasons why we believe it and a senior minister put it in the revival times that came from the evangelical alliance so do google them on their web because there's so many good resources there now i've got hold of a resource that you can download from there because the evangelical alliance did a survey last winter winter 2012 on the topic of confidence and sharing the gospel they did uh, a survey of about one and a half thousand christians to see their views on what the gospel was how to share their gospel or how they share or don't share the gospel and how they got saved so i'm just going to give you a few percentages here you won't take it all in but it's just to give you a flavor of what's happening in churches in britain and give you food food for thought. You can always go up on the Evangelical Alliance website yourself and download the whole survey as I did today and printed it out. But I'm just going to give you some percentages in Britain of this survey on confidently sharing the Gospels. Well, here's some differences that exist about what should we emphasize in the Gospel. 73% said that they agreed that the central message of the gospel is the kingdom of God. And that was strongest over the age of 55. 68% of those surveyed agreed that God accepts people from every background who fear him and do what's right. Now here's an interesting one. 43% of Christians surveyed endorsed the statement that God's love is so wide and unconditional that he will welcome everyone into his kingdom. In other words, in the end, everyone's going to be saved. Isn't that interesting? 43% of those surveyed believe that ultimately everyone's going to be saved. Is that what you believe? 35%, lower than that, 35% agree that the best reason for sharing the gospel is to offer unbelievers the chance to escape hell. 
35% believe that's the most important thing. But interesting, who, who, who in the survey said this? Well, over 55s, over 55 years old, are significantly more likely than under 35s to believe this. And Pentecostals, more likely than any other denomination to do so. Isn't that interesting? So 35% people believe that the gospel is about rescue. 35% of people believe that the gospel is primarily about rescuing people from hell. And most of those are in the older age bracket. It seems that there's a younger age bracket of Christians coming through that don't think that this is as important. But we Pentecostals are more likely than anyone to believe that the gospel is primarily to rescue people from hell. How about the church evangelizing? Here's a few other percentages for your interest. 77% had been involved in taking or, or befriending a new visitor to church. 47% had been involved in an outreach event for seekers or fringe people. 9% had been involved in some sort of media outreach. 7% had done door-to-door -door visits. 30% have been involved in some small group cell evangelistic activity. And now let's, let me talk about people that, and how they feel about sharing the gospel. 74% of people agreed with this statement. None of my Christian contacts seem interested in talking about spiritual things. 57% of people said, I feel I can share the gospel well enough without needing to use words. That's interesting, isn't it? It's like friendship evangelism, perhaps, without the evangelism. 47% said this. This will shock you. The devil always seems to prevent me from sharing the gospel. That's nearly 50%. Uh, we know the importance of praying, don't we, for souls and binding the God of this age that has blinded their minds to the truth of the gospel. Spiritual warfare is important to evangelism. 37% said, I feel evangelism is a special gift which God has given to some people, but not to me. And then finally, um, how people came to faith. How did people become Christians? Well, in this survey, 72% of people made a decision to follow Christ before they'd reached the age of 20. How many people here made a commitment to Christ before the age of 20? Just lift your hands nice and high, have a look around. All right, a significant amount, but quite a few later. How did people come to faith? 6% became Christians through something, a program like the Alpha Course or Christianity Explored or other discovery groups, 6%. 8% came to Christ through a film, a book or a song that made them think very deeply about life. 9% became a Christian through a Christian group for students. 15% became Christians because they saw God at work in their life. 23% became Christians because they saw God at work in other people's lives. 25% became Christians for, by privately searching for God and reading the Bible, etc. 30% of those surveyed became Christians through a youth club, camp, or similar activity. 37, this is a, a, a very high amount, 
37% made a decision in response to a specific church event, mission or sermon. 43% by the influence of Christian friends who shared their faith. And 54% growing up in a Christian family or a church environment. I wonder which one of those um, you could identify if you're a Christian here tonight. So the question is always the same question. What confidence do we have in the gospel to save? It's interesting how 50% of those surveyed or just under thought that the devil interfered with them sharing the gospel. And when we look at our lives today, those that are here today and those that are watching on the internet, let's ask ourselves the question personally to ourselves tonight. How much confidence do I, do you have in the gospel? Do you really believe it has power to save, not just in your mind, but in your actions? Do you really believe that the gospel is going to save people that you know at work, in your neighborhood, family members? Or are you in a crisis in your life where, like some of these that shared, they feel nobody's interested in spiritual things and I've tried to share but nobody wants to know. They shut me down before I get to speak or they, they mock my faith. Do these things shake your confidence in the power of the gospel? Are you too scared to talk about your faith with your non-Christian friends and colleagues and, or find the right context? When it comes down to it, do you fear to do it? Do, do you want to do it, but when it comes down to it, you just don't share those things? Or is it that you're not sure how to share the gospel. You, you know what Jesus means to you and what he's done for you and you've got a great testimony but your tongue gets tied or you don't know how to begin to speak to someone. Well, the most important thing for us and as I've said, this year we're going to have more and more help for everybody at Kensington Temple at every level to be able to share their faith. That's one of our senior minister's main goals for this year. We're going to be doing more and more of that, not just for street witnessing, but for everybody wherever they are. Well, Paul, he said in this Romans chapter 1, he spoke about his confidence in the gospel. And the amazing thing is, is that the confidence that Paul had in the gospel was in direct contrast to what was going around in the world of his day. And if you looked at the world of his day, the world and what was going on would shake your faith in the gospel if you weren't careful. And so when Paul writes to the Romans in verse 15 of chapter 1, he says, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just 
shall live by faith. Now, often when people quote this passage, they usually end there. But, that, but Paul doesn't end there. He talks about the positive, his confidence in the gospel, but then he speaks about the negative environment that that gospel needs to be preached in. He says, in one ver- he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God to salvation. In it, the righteousness is revealed from faith to faith. The just shall live by faith. And then verse 18, he says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and the unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. So Paul was not experiencing some sort of environment where everybody was just jumping up and down for Jesus. You know what I'm saying? He wasn't in, you you can imagine, you think, oh, well, it was all right for Paul. It it was a revival. Paul was in, in a revival. You just had to say the name Jesus and people fell under the power of God and got up saved. That's a misconception of the evangelism of the New Testament church was that they were always in revival and everybody loved it and, and it was easy for them. You know, sometimes what can happen in the church is we're always waiting for revival to come. Revival, I remember Colin once talking about when there was so much talk about revival in the 1990s. Everybody was talking about revival, but few people were actually doing what was required for revival. I remember Colin doing this in one of his sermons. He said... You know, it seems today that revival is always round the corner. It's just 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 round the corner. Oh, feeling a bit dizzy. And we have these sort of rose-tinted spectacles or glasses when we think of the revivals of the past. Now, I love the revivals of the past. I wrote a book called Land of Hope and Glory, Revivals Through British History, and you can get it for three pounds. That's how cheap it is now. And it's encouraging because it takes you through revivals. But the one thing about these revivals, they didn't just start like that. The revivals came in the midst of great, dark, dangerous demonic times the gospel always shines brightest where the darkness is 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 at its most dark i remember john glass who is our general superintendent of the Elim movement and he was preaching to the leaders at kt and the pastors of our network and he said the gospel's like a diamond and he said you know when you go to a jeweler's shop or you go to a jeweler's shop and you look in the window You'll never see them taking a diamond and putting it on a white background. Because if they put a diamond on a white background, it won't stand out, will it? So you take that diamond and you put it on a black background. And now when you look, you see the diamond stands out. And when we talk about the gospel, sometimes people are waiting for the atmosphere to change, to be more open to the gospel. Or we're waiting for the culture to change. Or we're waiting for God to do something. And then we'll share the gospel. When things are better, we're hoping people will become more open. We're hoping this, we're hoping that, we're hoping the other. But Paul is saying that he has confidence 
in the light of the gospel in the middle of darkness. And in fact, the darker the darkness, the more confident Paul has in the power of the gospel to save. And so he's not ashamed of the gospel, but look at that in verse 18. And we could go from verse 18 right through the rest of the chapter. In fact, I'm going to do it because I want you to show the confidence. I want to read this because I want you to see the confidence Paul had in the gospel wasn't in a revival environment, but I want you to think of this environment that he's in, that he's got confidence of the gospel in. And you'll see that you would say that is a hard place, not an easy place, all right? He's got confidence in the gospel. But what's the environment? He looks out at the world and he says, the wrath of God has been revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and the unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanliness in the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions, for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise also men, leaving the natural use of women burned in their lust for one another, men with men, committing what is shameful, and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind, to those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. You are there for without excuse. Man, that's powerful stuff. You don't hear that much in churches today, do you? Tell you what, if it wasn't scripture, I wouldn't say it. Seriously. I wouldn't, if it wasn't in scripture, I wouldn't be reading that out. I just read the Bible. Powerful. Whew. And yet, I tell you what, if I just read that out as a description of our nation, which it is, and read about the wrath of God and the judgment of God and all those things, you might at the end of it think, oh, let's go and move somewhere. 
because it was just a thunderous flow of sin and rebellion and darkness, wasn't it? I mean, he didn't leave hardly anything out. And that, that, that indictment on the, on the Roman Empire, that, that's not a revival atmosphere, is it? That is an atmosphere that is resistant to God. And as I said, if we just stopped there, well, we could all go home and be depressed. Because how on earth are people like that and situations like that going to be changed? Well, thank God, we go back to verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why? For it is power. Power. Everybody say power. power. Say it again. Power. Say it one more time. Power. The gospel is power. The gospel is power. And the Holy Spirit wants to raise up an end time church that believes that the gospel is power. And that the faith in the gospel of power will overcome our fears. And that when we look out into the darkness, as Paul looked out into the darkness, the darkness will not shake or quench our confidence in the gospel. But on the contrary, we will say the gospel can change this. Because the gospel is the power of God. The power of God. When we see godlessness in the world, when we see the devil running amok, when we see people who, who are deaf to God and blind to God and God-mockers and God-haters, we don't have to fear because there is a power that is greater than all those powers of darkness. And the power of God, it's not electricity or it's not some sort of... The power of God is a message... And it is the message of the man called Christ who was also God. No wonder in Corinthians, when Paul came to Corinthians, he said, when I came to you, I didn't come with flashy language. I didn't come with new, new methodologies because the old had passed away and we needed something new for a new generation. I didn't come to you with this, this format or the other format. But I came to you and I vowed that I would only know Christ and him crucified. Because the cross is the power of God. And whenever we share the message of Christ crucified for sins and raised again for righteousness, when you share that message, power is being released. It is the power of God. The message is Jesus Christ. He's the power of God and his life and what he did. And when we share and preach the message of Jesus dying on the cross, it's not just words. It's not just your faith in comparison to somebody else's faith, your opinion in comparison to someone else's opinion. It is the power of God. That's why the devil wants to keep us quiet. That's why the devil wants to keep us off the streets. That's why the devil wants us to do all the friendship but no evangelism. That's why there is, I agree with these 40 
8% of people in this survey that say that, um, what is it? The devil always seems to prevent me from sharing the gospel. 47%, that's half. The devil, you bet he does. Because he knows where the power is. And it's with the simplest believer sharing the most profoundest truth that God so loved the world that he sent his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That just like Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so Christ needs to be lifted up in our testimony. Yes, of action, but also word. Because when Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, remember when I preached on that two, two weeks ago? When he lifted up the serpent, the bronze serpent, anybody that looked at the bronze serpent, the bites of the judgment of the serpents that were poisoning them because of their sin, they were healed. But if Moses hadn't lifted up the bronze serpent, then people wouldn't have seen the bronze serpent and wouldn't have been healed. Can you imagine if the enemies of Israel had managed to take that bronze serpent on a pole and kept it down? All those millions of people that were poisoned by the serpents about to perish and people had kept that pole down, how many of them would have been saved? None. They wouldn't be able to see. They wouldn't be in a state of blindness because the serpent on a pole was not lying on the ground. Well, in John's Gospel, that is John 3, 14, 3, 15. He says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so Christ must be lifted up from the earth for all men to be seen. And then it says, for whoever believes... For God, sorry, then it says, for God so sent his Son, that whoever believes in him, so whenever we share the truth of the cross, what we're doing is like Moses, we're lifting up the healing, saving serpent on a pole. And people can see. And it only takes one look to be saved. One look of faith. Once you see Christ crucified for your sin and the punishment and when we look at that Romans, after I got past the gospel bit and the wrath of God is revealed, what is the wrath of God? It's God's punishment. You can't preach the gospel without preaching the wrath of God. There are a bunch of foolish, ignorant people that are preaching that everybody's going to be saved and God is angry with nobody. And that God no longer has wrath for anybody because God is love. And therefore, if God is love, there can be no wrath. Wait a second. That's not what the Bible teaches or the New Testament. The wrath of God is revealed. You'd have to be foolish. You just have to spend five minutes watching the news to see the wrath of God revealed. And how is it revealed in many formats? Most people think, oh, the wrath of God is revealed. Oh, it must be like lightning bolts hitting people. Or some tsunami comes. And then all the prophets of doom. Ah, oh, well, you know, that was a judgment on this sin. Or that, that tornado was a judgment on that sin. They're missing the point totally. This world, if you haven't noticed, is broken. It doesn't work properly. Nature doesn't work properly. This world is fallen. 
And so tornadoes and tsunamis and earthquakes and famines and pestilences, it's a broken world. God did not create the world broken. We broke it when Adam sinned. But I tell you, that's not the wrath of God being revealed in these things. It's just a broken world. But what is the wrath of God? Three times in that passage I read to you, it says the wrath of God was God gave them over. God gave them over. It's like, is that what you want, God is saying? When you can have Jesus, forgiveness of sins, joy, healing, eternal life, and you want that rubbish? You want the darkness? You want the evil? You want the, is that what you want? Well, I'll give you over to it. You keep fighting me. You keep attacking me. If that's what you want, the greatest judgment that God can ever give is to leave you alone. The greatest judgment that God can ever give to a nation is to leave that nation alone. Aren't you glad if you're a Christian here tonight that God didn't leave you alone? Aren't you glad He didn't leave you alone? I remember when I was... Amen. I remember when I was at university, you see, all of our interactions with God are personal and individual. But God was on my case from a little boy. I mean, he even ordered my adoption. I was adopted as a three-month-year-old child, and God was all over it. And when I think of myself as a child, before I became a teenager, God was, God, God was at work. But in my teenage years, I rebelled against God. But I always knew he was there. Do you know what I'm saying? I was, I was walking without God, but he was there in the background. And I went to university in the first year. And in the first year of university, I got saved. But before that, I went to university. And I thought, this is great. You can do what you want, when you want, how you want, and your parents don't know. This is great. I can do whatever I wanted. And so I saw all the things I wanted to do and devised all the plans of evil that I wanted to do. I just wanted to have a party and have a good time. You know what I'm saying? And every time, I remember it, every time I tried to get up to mischief, something would stop it. Every time I tried to do wrong, tried to get do, something would prevent it. My evil desires were being frustrated. And I can tell you, I remember the day I went into my room and I said this, how crazy. I hadn't given my life to the Lord properly, do you know what I mean? But God had been in working in my life as a small boy. Sometimes it's not as clear as that, is it? And I remember, I remember, I remember the distinct moment. I turned and I said, you know, an unbeliever, God, leave me alone. Leave me alone. Stop interfering. That's what I said, and I, I was serious. I remember it. I mean, it sh I shudder, shudder today when I think of the foolishness. And God's, well, I, 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 I think I remember just this sense of, all right then. God had given me over to my own desires and had stepped back. Do you know what? That's my fault. But it was also the judgment of God on me. Do you know what I'm saying? That was my choice. But God also said, that's what you want. You can have it. That was a form of judgment. He gave me over to the evil that I wanted. 
and stepped back. The greatest judgment that God can ever give a person or a nation is to step back and leave them alone. Well, I'm not going to go into the darkness of my life for however long that took because it's not glorifying, except to say it took years and years and years to get healed from that stuff. But the good news is he didn't let me alone. And he visited me. And the gospel came into my life and changed my life. And I got born again. And I can honestly say, sometimes I sit back and I project my life if he hadn't interfered again. Do you know what I'm saying? Imagine that moment when I said, leave me alone. And God said, I will leave you alone forever. And, th and then I think of where I was what was on my mind and where I was headed. And I project the course of my life. I think of what I would have done. I think of where would I have been and what, who would I have married and how would have that marriage been and what sort of father would I be and how would have these things stacked up in my life and, and how would the deterioration of these things have worked over months and years. God. Safe by grace. When I think, and I'm thinking of what I was spared. I'm thinking of what I was spared. And some of you are thinking of what you went through and have come out of. Some of you might say, Bruce, I rejoice in you being spared. I went through it. But friends, you came out of it. And you've got a testimony. It's the power of God. It's the gospel. Look what it's done for you. You say, well, I haven't arrived. No, but you're well on the way. You're well on the way. Sometimes we focus on the negative things, the things that aren't sorted out in our lives. I understand that. We all want to grow. But we should also remember the good things that God has done. And with all the faults that we all still have, think of what the grace of God has done in our lives. It's the power of of God. And what he's done for me and what he's done for you, God wants to do for many. But we have to get the gospel out. You know, it's not enough, and I'm not, I'm speaking to us all, it's not enough just to be friends with non-Christians. It's not enough. It's not enough. It's not enough to be friends with non-Christians. I mean, people are going out on the street to people that aren't their friends. It's not enough to be friends. It's time for us to speak. And God will give us strength in our weakness. Paul, do you think he preached the gospel in great confidence in himself? Did Paul say, when I preached the gospel, I came to you as the man of power for the hour. When I came to you, I knew who I was. I can beat anybody in debate. I've studied the scriptures I've got all the answers to all the questions and I've got all the questions to deal with them. I'm ready. I am a super turbocharged man of God. Did he say that? He said, when I came to you to preach the gospel, I came in... What did you say? Fear. Whew. Fear. When I brought the gospel to you, I came in... Fear and 
How many people here, you don't have to, it's a rhetorical question. How many people have, would say, I, I'm in fear and trembling. That's why I've not shared, I've not said it. I'm in fear and trembling. Well, you're in good company. You see, Paul's confidence, Paul's confidence wasn't in him. In fact, any ability he had, he dismissed. Paul's confidence wasn't in him. It was in the gospel. I remember once many years ago when I came to the Bible school here at Kensington Temple, there was uh, a young administrator. She was, her name was Claudette. And um, she, she was at the time, she was just simple and quiet. But she loved the Lord and she shared the gospel. Claudette de Cran. And I remember we all went out as a Bible school on the witness, to witness. And I've been like, Spending all my time, I'd done a theology degree, trying to think of all the different questions I'd be asked. And was I, was, you know, where did um, Cain and Abel get their wives from? I got that one. And I'm thinking, so here I am, trying to do my best, ready for any, anything. And I said, well, well, I said, Claudette, you do this all the time. Uh, so, you know, I'll follow you, you show me. What, what are you going to do? I'm just going to tell people that Jesus loves them. I thought to myself, I didn't say it to her, but like, what? Well, that's not going to work. What if they ask where Cain and Abel got their wives from? You know, you're going to be, you're going to be stuck, Claudette. What are you going to do? Just say, Jesus loves you. And I thought to myself, I, thought to myself, I wasn't impressed. But I thought, well, <laughs> luckily I'll be with her. So she can say the Jesus loves you bit, and then I'll get in there with all the theology. Cain and Abel, I'll ask them about it before they ask me. I'll be ready for it. And we went out. And I was all over the place, trying to remember that. And she was just, she was just going to people, looking them in the eye and saying, do you know what? Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. And I, I watched her do it. And I begin to change my mind. Because it wasn't just somebody saying something. She meant it. She meant it. And guess what? God owned it you know Jesus loves you and of course the people that just turned away and said whatever but some didn't suddenly stopped it was like God was on them pardon Jesus loves you it didn't sound a crazy thing and from that conversation she just told about she didn't have great theology or she didn't use great theology she just told the people about what God had done for her and I thought to myself I've missed it Big time. I'm trying to be somebody or somebody I think that God will use greatly for the gospel because I need to I need to outwit, argue, and get people saved. Now, it's important to have answers, isn't it? We know that. It's, it's you know it's great if if someone does come to you and say, where did Cain and Abel get their wives from? It's good if you can answer that because it helps, isn't it? But what I'm trying to say is that she was trusting God. And I was trusting theology. God's going to use you for the, every single one of you. God is going to use you for the gospel. And we're going to help you in this church. I'm not, thank God for the street witnesses. Join us, but you don't have to go on the street witness. last thing we want is for you to think, I'm not a Christian unless I go out on the streets and witness. 
But I don't think that you feel like that. I don't think it's coming across like that. It's just showing you it works. If God can save somebody on a street, how much more the people that we're praying for by name, the people that we're with. God has placed these people around you for a purpose. You say, my family are against the gospel. God placed you there for a reason. Are they more against the gospel than the wrath of God revealed people? You say, the people at work aren't interested. God has put you there for a purpose. And whether it's in the workplace or whether you invite them for a coffee outside the workplace, the wisdom of God, and whether you serve them first and get to know them to earn the right, but don't wait too long. It doesn't take long to earn the right. It can take seconds on the street. All these things. But God is going to use us in the gospel. There's very few of us left that believe. Let me just read that. Pentecostals and old people. Got any old Pentecostals here? Pentecostals and old... All right, Marcia. You... No, Marcia, you're young. I rebuke that off you. You're Pentecostal, young and strong. Right? 35% believe that the reason for sharing the gospel is to offer unbelievers the chance to escape hell. Over 55 significantly believe this more than under 35s and those crazy Pentecostals. I'm glad I'm a crazy Pentecostal. Paul was a crazy Pentecostal. And these nights, these Sunday nights are going to get more crazy and more crazy. Amen. Amen. With every head bowed, I'm going to ask the ministry team to come up on the platform right now. But with every head bowed, if you're in this place tonight and you've not yet given your life to the Lord, then quickly on the platform, then this is your opportunity to receive the power of the gospel and have your sins forgiven. All you have to believe is that Jesus died for you and rose again and you shall be saved. With every head bowed right now, if you're ready to receive Christ as your Savior, you want to come out of that place of the wrath of God is revealed to the place of God's love is revealed through the gospel and be saved. And God's not left you alone, but he's followed you and brought you here. With every head bowed, if you want to receive Jesus tonight, lift your hand right where you are. I'll go pray for you. Lift your hand upstairs. Was that on the front row? Upstairs. Lift your hand downstairs. And I'll pray for you. Anybody? Okay, well, we, over the weeks and months, we're going to bring people to these meetings as we grow strong and people are going to get saved. What we're going to do right now is we're going to hear some words, prophetic time, and we're going to minister. So listen up as you hear these prophetic words because God will be speaking to some of you about conditions and situations. And when we've released the prophetic word, if one is especially for you, we're going to ask you to come forward. We're going to start ministering to you and anybody that needs ministry as well as these prophetic words, these things are going to happen. So who's, who's, got, who's got a word to share? Yep, come forward. All right, two, that's fine. Your name is? Um, Patricia. Um, when we were praying downstairs, um, I, got, I, I saw a picture, and what the picture was, um, was someone standing on a cliff edge, and they actually wanted to get to the other side, but obviously there was a massive gap. And um, looking down, they could just see 
um, there wasn't a way. And the more we prayed and the more we worshipped, I saw a bridge. The bridge was being formed of lights. It was, and I, I, I sort of shared it with everyone. And during the worship, um, he gave, he got the interpretation. So the interpretation. As I was praying, I could just um, praying to them, asking God, what what do you want to tell this person? And he said, you're standing in front of a of a decision that you're about to make, and you you can just see the cliff and the water, and you're just, I'm gonna fall. Everything. If I go straight, if I go left or go right, I will just fall down. But God will tell you who is He's going to make this bridge out of light, the power of salvation. He's going to bring you through. He's going to make this path that you've have never had thought of. A big decision. Who in this place, it might be more than one, say, do you know what? That's me. Just lift your hand. Yeah. Anybody else? Okay. You've got, anyth you've got anything else to share? Anything else to share? Yeah, well, you go down. Come out, come out. If that's you, come out right down at the front and we'll begin to pray that through. Um, as we were praying downstairs in heaven worship, um, I could just see in the spirit chains on my back. And as I was trying to move forward, these chains were, hold these chains were holding me back. I was like, God, what is this? What are these chains? And he said, these are the feelings that are connected to the to a person you've loved, it might be your ex-boyfriend, ex-girlfriend, it might be your husband, it might be even someone who passed away. And God is telling you to move on, to let these feelings behind and to step into the destiny He has called you to. Because these feelings are hindering you, they're holding you back to go into the destiny God has placed you and God has placed in your heart and your spirit. Amen. Anybody can... Yeah. Upstairs. And... Yep, yep. Go down, go down. We're gonna. You come out. We'll start praying for you. If you're upstairs and that fits you, some of these words are not just for one person. And if you're not sure, if you think, well, I think that's me, why not come and be prayed for? And don't, don't do the upstairs thing where, oh, it's a long way down. It's worth the walk to receive the ministry. So be bold. Next, please. Who's next? Yep, Brett. Yeah. Um. Just while I was down there worshiping. Uh, having some fellowship with the Lord, I saw um, a symbol which represented uh, addiction, but then it was connected to uh, offence, and then it turned into destruction. And there's there's something that's uh, somebody in here that there's 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 an offence that's so tightly gripped you, and it's destroying your life. It's eating your life away. And I believe there's a, an anointing in this place right now to give you the grace, a God-given ability to be set free from that tonight. Uh, the second thing I saw was I saw, um, what's that pink part of your mouth at the back? The little little pink thing. Oh, that little thing there. The, that, the tonsil. Yeah, the tonsil was one of them. I saw one of them and it had, um, had some like sickness around it and I believe it was twofold. Is there somebody in here that perhaps you did an operation on your throat? I believe God wants to heal you from it tonight. But the second part of that was um, like Bruce, sort of uh, what he was talking about, um, the voice being silenced. And, and I believe that God wants to uh, just, just to douse someone in fire today who you're wanting to speak, you're wanting to share the gospel, but your voice isn't operating or open. So who was that with the, uh, the problem in their throat that needs healing? Who was that at first? The, phys the physical problem with the throat? And upstairs as well, come down, we're going to pray for that. And and also, anybody can identify with the other things that Brett said in any way. Just wave. Well, Brett's going to be down there. 
and he's going to start to minister. Of course, when we release the ministry team, we don't have to go to just the person who gave that word. Um, who's next? Yeah. Um, I've got one word praying downstairs. I had this palpitation beat, and it was getting stronger and stronger, like more painful, and um, the heart was moving very fast as quick. I'm not sure if that's what they call uh, irregular beat. I'm not sure what it's called. What it's Okay, is there anybody here who's got a heart situation, physical heart situation? Yeah? Anybody wave quickly so we can move on to other people that have... No, nobody's got a problem with the heart. You, you do, okay, okay. You've got the same word, okay. been diagnosed your condition of ill health and then it has been discovered that it cannot be cured your GP has said it's, you not, that you are going to be placed on that treatment for as long as you live if that you know word applies to you what is the condition the, you know a chronic condition I don't know uh, that's how it is put to me and then that, that if we come to agree together Isaiah 53, verse 4 to 5, he says, He took all your infirmities. And that if we agree and then, you know, have the faith that. Okay, I got it. We've got to move on. So it's somebody with a condition that the doctor says you're going to have for the rest of your life. So if you've got anything like that, come forward straight away. We're going to be praying for that. Who's, 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 you go down and minister to anybody. You got. There's a word from uh, Matthew uh, 15, uh, 13. Say so what God has not um, planted will be uprooted from the root. Uh, what I got was um, there's some people here um, in a very early age. You went through some traumatic experience um, in your infancy, and also there's some people also in their teenage years. They went through the same kind of experience, and that kind of experience of you know going through your lives and even in your adult age is so kind of manifesting in a kind of um, uh, um, wrong ways in your life in common habits uh, the Lord is here to uproot what is really um, in your life he's going to uproot it because it's not him who planted it it's the enemy who has uh, planted that root in your life so God is uprooted and also burning that you have memory of it no more okay next two words um one was uh somebody's got a problem with breathing whenever you breathe in there's a, a pain inside your chest and i also felt while, while pastor bruce was preaching i felt there was a, a few people and it was like you felt so empty and so hollow inside and even though he, he was preaching it was like he was going right over your head because there was an emptiness that you feel inside just like to pray for you great so feel free to come out as these words are coming. Um, the picture that I got was um, of a light. Sorry, if you're here and you don't have a word, then you can go down and, and, and help minister. Yeah, sorry. Uh, the picture I got was of a line-out lift. Um, in particular, the, the, the front lifter. He's in a crouched position and he's actually looking at the, the jumper and beckoning him forward. Like a rugby throw-in. Yeah. And what, what he's saying is the person who's supposed to be jumping is somebody who's been waiting for the Holy Spirit. Just like you were saying before, he's been waiting for the Holy Spirit 
and it's like they've not heard that message so number one it was look for the signal and wait for the holy spirit the second bit was that the the jumper ran in and with all of their might went up and jumped and it's saying when you hear the holy spirit go leave everything don't don't leave anything to chance don't second guess yourself don't do any of that just go in in faith and take a leap of faith um and then the third bit it was another line that left but it was a specific moment in um in a game uh, there's a south african prop called the beast and he lifts his uh, teammate up and the ball goes over his head and they think he's going to drop him but the guy is so strong that he can hold a 17 stone man up like this even though he's actually on the verge of dropping on his head and it's saying do not worry about your positioning because the holy spirit and the power of the holy spirit is so much that even if you tip over he will hold you he's holding you safely if any of that touches your life come forward and we'll pray for that let's get these words out so we can move into a time of worship and ministry um i believe there's someone who is here I'm not sure whether it's a relationship or a, or a relative that's been threatened and you are very, very fearful. You are even f- so fearful that sometimes you don't even want to go back to your home. You are, you know, sort of staying with friends so that you don't go. You are very, very fearful. If you are here, please come and, you know, you'll be prayed for and God will give you the victory. Amen. When we were praying downstairs, I saw... Um picture of children being taken away I believe there's a lady who's had in the past had her children taken away and she suffered a great loss not quite sure how it happened so a lady that in the past or has suffered children being taken away in some format we want to minister to you tonight Um, I got very clearly from the Lord that there are people here tonight who don't feel loved by God Um, and they're ashamed to admit it but the Lord is going to use the gifts of the Spirit the word of knowledge and it's going to be so specific for you that you will know God is in your life and that he loves you it may not be tonight but I also got to have fit to have faith because it's impossible to please God without faith so if you have the faith for this he is going to speak to you through a word of knowledge it'll be so personal you will know you'll be blown away by it that he's really with you Thanks, Bruce. Um, I have a word for somebody, maybe a handful of people who recently in your life you have experienced something that it may have come through a person, nothing in particular as who they are, but like an attack on your authority. So this may be for cell leaders or somebody who holds a position of authority at work. And it's something that's manifest and it's really torn you down, your confidence, and it's made you doubt the authority that God's given you the power that he's put on your shoulders and if you feel that you've come under some significant personal direct attack might have been through a work a a boss or a uh, cell member or a friend or family it's just manifested that way God is going to release something and, and shift that and give you the grace and the strength to come out on the other side so if that's you please come and I'll pray with you Amen. Well, we're going to stand together, and if any of those words mean something to you, come out and be prayed for. Or if there's a need, a healing that you need, or a situation that you want prayer for, come out. We will pray for you. It's not just about coming out if you have a word. It's about coming out if you have a need. Let's everybody stand together. Um, If you need to leave, 
you're welcome to go at this time but we're just going to wait on the Lord for a few minutes and minister to everyone let's everybody standing please because it's good to enter into this next stage together everybody upstairs stand please everybody standing with me please 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 it'll make a difference in the spirit if we do this together if we stand together wonderful and then please come out and be ministered to